0: Association of EasyBirth.com. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Welcome to Inverse Series of Podcasts, Taking Back Birth. Hi everyone. Marin here today, of course, with a fun interview of another midwife. I'm so excited to have Madeline Murray of Believe Midwifery here with me today. And so, hi, Madeline. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just jump in. And uh, would you mind giving a short intro for our listeners? Yeah, sure.
1: So um, I want to start by apologizing for the state of my voice. I've had a cold for the past few days, but I think it's that time of year. So it's going around. So I apologize if I have to cough or drink water <laughs> or something during this interview. Um, But yes, my name is Madeline Murray and I am a CPM and I live in Atlanta, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. Um, And I am passionate about sustainable, making midwifery more attainable for students and more sustainable for midwives. Um, I, as most people do, had a hard time in my apprenticeship dealing with the 24-7 on-call lifestyle that's typical of home birth midwives in America today. And um, so I started an organization called Believe in Midwifery, and that organization is kind of designed to sort of educate um, midwives and midwifery students and women, uh, mothers who use midwives about the on-call lifestyle and sort of the damaging effects that it can have. Um, And I encourage midwives to work together in group practices. So, that they can have some regularly scheduled time off call in order to take care of themselves and um,
0: in turn take better care of their clients. So,
1: Mm -hmm. that's what I'm all about.
0: Awesome. So, what kind of things either presented in your life to begin all this work, or, you know, I'm sure you just observe in midwives in general, like what are the biggest challenges that you see to like having this be? unsustainable, which I agree in a lot of ways, it feels like that on some days. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I mean, the biggest one, obviously,
1: is the maternity care crisis in the United States. I mean, we, you know, and it wasn't even, this wasn't even as big of a deal when I, uh, or at least it wasn't public. I mean, you know, the, the rates of maternal mortality have been rising for the past 15 or 20 years. So it was a problem even then, but it wasn't as much national news. So I think, what I do is even more important now than it was when I started it. Because the fact is, um, you know, the typical medical model of care in this country is failing women and the midwives model of care improves outcomes on all kinds of, um, levels, not just maternal mortality and morbidity and infant mortality and morbidity, but also things like postpartum depression and, um, Pelvic floor dysfunction and uh, breastfeeding rates. There's a lot of things that midwifery care can impact. Um, and so that's why it's so important to me because, you know, right now, I, I truly believe that it's the on-call lifestyle that is keeping us stagnant at a level of serving less than 2% of the women um, in America out of the hospital. And huh. I think if we could grow that, we could really make a dent. We could have a huge impact on the maternal mortality crisis.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that big picture view. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, So how is that feeling like out in the world, you know, trying to advocate for midwifery when in a lot of places, you know, a lot of the States, even here in the U S like, it's a rough thing to take on, you know we hear this from our students all the time. Uh, yeah, there's a dedication, there's a passion, but it's also just a really hard educational route. like apprenticeship is hard, you know like what about all these challenges we face to even get there?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it is um, it is an uphill battle for sure, and even like you said, you know the big picture approach I mean I. I definitely have, you know, I'm kind of, ai am a goal oriented person and I'm a go big or go home kind of person. And, you know, I I, I really would love for this to change in a big way. Um, But I am also, you know, constantly faced with the challenges and, you know, and there are so many challenges. I mean, we are not, You know, we're we're kind of seen as second class citizens in the um the medical field and and even in the general public, you know, people have never even heard about us. It's still pretty common for for somebody to meet me and and when I tell them I'm a midwife, for them to not actually know what it is that I do. (laughs) Right. Um so so yeah, there's a lot of challenges and we're still definitely in the early stages. I mean but I think the more people that that sign on to this idea and get behind it, the the easier it's going to be. the The like I think it's going to grow exponentially once we start growing a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I am. I won't even say cautiously. I'm just, I'm just optimistic, you know, even in the face of all this, because, because there are constantly women who learn about midwifery that didn't know about it before and they have a great experience and um, you know, it changes their mind and that's a drop in the pond. And so every single person that we affect every single woman whose birth we change every single midwife who we make her career sustainable rather than burning out after 5 or 7 years um every single individual person um can ultimately make a big difference
0: yeah yeah i totally hear you on the burnout and i think you sounds like you're addressing one component of that burnout which is just the simple of the on-call lifestyle, or maybe it's the complicatedness (laughs) of the on-call lifestyle. Um, So we can totally talk about that. I guess, in addition, my brain was going to uh, the fact that it is really hard to integrate with the medical paradigm. At least that's what I've been feeling lately. Um, Like sometimes it's necessary, of course, you know, if we have women that need medical care or transport, but that's a place where I often feel really burned out. Like, I don't know if you want to address that or if you are, you know, sort of including that, but that's what's, that's, what's coming into my brain when you talk right now.
1: Yeah. Um, I, there's so much, uh, there, there is so much. And I think the. The thing about being on call twenty four seven is that we never get to turn it off. we never get to actually take time to only just think about integrating into the medical system to only try to you know create good relationships or have meetings you know have a meeting with the nurses uh, the nurse administrator at a hospital near our house you know we could you could do that, but you have to tell that nurse administrator you know unless I'm at a birth or Or something like that and so there's the the problem is when midwives are the only person responsible for taking care of all of the women in their care the that burden and responsibility is such a heavy load that it makes every other thing that also contributes to our burnout um, even greater
0: right yeah, I, I hear that. And I totally feel that you're right. It's hard to muster up like the brain cells sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, so.
1: and to make big moves. I mean, you know, I'm not currently practicing as a midwife right now. And, um, and part of that is because I wouldn't be able to, you know, I've spoken at three conferences this year, I have two others coming up next year, I worked on this e course, Um, you know, I have an Instagram page, which anybody who has Instagram knows that that actually takes a significant amount of time. Um, so there's like a lot of stuff that on my own, I wouldn't be able to be getting all of this work done if I had, you know, four clients every month that were. Right. Needing me. So I think there's a lot of, um, work and a lot of ways that, that midwives and people interested in helping midwifery can, can help um, without actually, you know, providing the care.
0: Mm Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess we can't separate all the parts. And so I am on call, but I guess I still want to pick your brain about ideas you have around, you know, better communication in particular. Uh, Whether that be with other midwives, honestly, like that's certainly a factor. But like with the medical world, I feel like that's something I've been thinking a lot about. Um, It's so easy to be in our bubbles. And sometimes I think that's an appropriate place to be. Mm -hmm. But just, I don't know, some brainstorming, some strategy around maybe things you've tried or maybe helped other midwives do. I would love to hear your ideas.
1: Can you give me a little bit more of an idea of what you're talking about? Like maybe an example?
0: Um. I mean, just basic interaction with hospitals would be helpful. Like we only have one really here Mm -hmm. and, you know, knock on wood, maybe I visit there once a year or so. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I guess I'm always like cautiously trying to figure out like how to make better relationships or, you know, if that's worth it or how other, how other midwives are doing that in their communities. And I mean, I get there are a lot of variables there. Like, just the simple hospital or the staff. Mm -hmm. Um, But wanting to reach out in that way is something, yeah, I'm thinking a lot about, but I I don't feel like I have a solid strategy. So I just figured maybe you had been there in one way or another.
1: I wish I had um, more insight into this because I I don't feel like I do. I mean, the only thing that I think (laughs) as far as relationships are concerned all the time, I have a a sign hanging in my house that says, don't be a jerk. And I feel like (laughs) that's (laughs) sort of my life motto and what I hope can be my family motto as I, um, you know, my son grows up and I have more kids that 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 I think is goes a long way um, to, to just be kind. And, and even in the face of, um, I mean, so often when I go to the hospital, I, I just feel like they're not kind, hmm. um, you know, to my clients. And it's so easy to just get, you know, to want to be a jerk. Um, but, but I feel like that's super important to, to, to be kind and to not be a jerk, but then also to just speak honestly you know, about, um, you know, that this woman chose to give birth at home, and her water's been broken for this long, and, you know, we've been doing this, that, and the other thing, and um, now we decided to come to the hospital because, you know, she decided, or we decided together, that we need things that we aren't capable of providing at home anymore, and we would would like to help, Um, but, But there is so much, like you said, I mean, the, you know, the hospitals and there's so much that we can't control even with, because even the people that we deal with, you know, on a nurse level or even the hospitalist or whatever, um, there's, they don't have control. I mean, I'm listening to, um, evidence-based birth, Rebecca Decker's new book and she just goes into so much about hospital culture and um, internalized oppression and horizontal violence. I mean, she's done tons of research about why people behave the way that they do and, and, you know, and why nurses would do things like hold a woman down or force her onto the monitor or tell her she can't go to the bathroom or something like that. And it's like, um. You know, those people, it's not just only them. Like, when we go there, we're dealing with a huge, systemic,
0: broken,
1: broken, broken problem. And so, I mean, as much as we try to just deal individually with, you know, um, the people that we're dealing with, it's still, you know, so, I mean... All we can do is be kind and, right. and you know and not and not cause more trouble, but again, I think you know we need more midwives it's we 're never
0: going to make a dent if there's only two percent of women giving birth yeah. with us totally, and I mean, I feel like those those two things like you could just go round and round with because yes yeah. we do need more midwives, but like this is the reality of the work we do that like sometimes. It's really hard. I mean, it's hard in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. but you know, this particular issue of like integration with a system that has very different foundational beliefs and yes, like compassion. I mean, I do, I have compassion for understanding more about how it all works and like, yes, they're people, but it's all happening at like this admin level. Um, so it's like equal parts, compassion and horror, you know? So yes. yeah, (laughs) I mean, there's no answer. Like we're just chatting, but it's like, yeah, more midwives, but we need to be better equipped to like stand on our own truth. And I know for me, it's a huge issue of like, I respect someone's autonomy above anything else. So, you know, even if we're saying like, we need help, like, yes, we do. Your waters have been open, You're 33 weeks, whatever we need to be here. Um, gosh, it just feels like you can't find your, you can't find solid ground, you know, like you need that, but yet it's so crazy. It's such a crazy place to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's all we like, I mean, in my mind, it's like oil and water. I mean, right. we can't integrate with them. We can't. Right. So, right. I mean, the the fact of the matter is when you get into their system, you are into their system. I mean, I had, um, the birth of my first son, um, did not go, you know, as planned, I attempted a home birth and ended up at the hospital after a couple of days of labor. And I had my waters broken for a long time and, you know, no GBS status and right. All the, all the things. And, um, but I was able to maintain my autonomy and literally my, you know, I got what I needed, which was an epidural and a very slow Pitocin drip. And I ended up having a vaginal birth after being there for about seven hours. Um, my nurses were incredible. I mean, I, I truly feel like I credit them to a certain extent with, um, with the fact that the epidural and the Pitocin was able to work because I feel like when I went to the hospital, I was very prepared to, um, you know, defend myself. You know, I was not going to let anybody mess with me or my baby. I was going to go down, you know, scratching and screaming if I had to. And, um, so I had a lot of adrenaline going into there. Um, but the nurses that I had were so kind and I mean, I declined everything, you know, I didn't put on the robe. I didn't, pee in a cup. Um, They brought me the disclosure form and I was like literally writing on everything. Like I do not consent and initialing things and crossing things out on the form. And um, so, you know, I was the definition of Um, non-compliant. But I also was not being a jerk. I was being as kind as I possibly could. And, um, and then my baby was born. They put him on my chest. He literally didn't leave my chest until we went home from the hospital four hours later. Yeah. Nobody weighed him. They didn't measure him. But like, and I, and I really value that story. And I love to tell it because I think people are, are too afraid to actually demand those kind of things. I mean, you know, my, my doctor, um, who is the backup doctor that we use as home birth midwives here. Um, he discharged me. But then of course the baby wasn't going to be discharged unless the pediatrician said that he could be discharged. And so the pediatrician nurse came in and said, you know, I understand you're being discharged, but we can't discharge you because he needs to be monitored for this, that, and the other thing. And we want to do this test because of your waters and the GBS. And we recommend blah, 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 blah. And I just said, okay, thank you very much. But like my baby's coming home with me. So what do I have to sign to bring him with me? And, you know, they just, it's, for one thing, it's my personality. For another thing, it's my knowledge of, you know, being a person who, who knows, you know, I was going to be able to follow up and make sure that my baby didn't have any signs and symptoms of GBS. Right. Um, so there's, you know, my, even though this is possible, I still think for somebody who goes into that system who does not have a sense of autonomy um it's way harder i mean because right. that lady didn't tell me i could sign him out she right. said the baby she said the baby is not going to be discharged cuz he needs right. to have this that and the other test and so right. most people would be like uh
0: okay
1: right <laughs> but i was like you know i mean even my husband and my mom who were in the room like they were kind of like their faces were like oh no <laughs> what are we
0: gonna do? <laughs> and i was like we're going home
1: still yeah yeah, um, but, I love that. but, but truly I got, I posted that on my, you know, Instagram and I got so many messages from people, midwives and mothers alike that said, if I were to decline, you know, they would have called CPS on me. Right. And so I think that actually happens some places too. So like, you know, trying to integrate into their broken, broken, broken system, I think is the wrong, um, I think it's the wrong path. I think that's not where we need to focus our efforts. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I can totally understand that. And yeah, I love your birth story, by the way, I wanted to say that I read it on your blog and when you give your contact, excuse me, info at the end. uh, Yeah. People should totally go read it. It's such a great story. And I think so powerful in all the ways you've already shared. Um, So thank you. I'm sure that just taught you so much too about, you know, being a midwife and like you said, the rights that people do have. And I agree. I feel like autonomy, like we could all agree on that. Well, we can't all agree on that, but I think most midwives can like that. That's what we really want for these women. Like, it's not about us. It's not about us becoming this or that in the system or out of the system. It's purely that people are aware of their own power. Yeah. And I think that
1: that's where, um, I come from so much, anyways. Like even as a midwife, I mean, I am a woman first of yeah. everything that I do. I am a a woman who wants to be in charge of my own life, yeah. um, and so I'm a you know at, when I was pregnant, I I was a, a pregnant woman before I was a midwife, and when I was a you know laboring, I was a laboring woman instead of a midwife, you know. And so that's how I kind of live my life all the time. When I think about um, you know, how hard it is to be a midwife. I'm like, yeah, sure. But I'm, you know, but it's not about me. This is about women um, being able to maintain, yeah, maintain their autonomy. And and just about my birth story, I I will say that um, it was so hard. And, you know, but if you believe everything happens for a reason, I really think that that's, that's part of why mine happened the way that it did is so that I could have that experience and so that people could hear that that that, there is a, that that is one way that it can be done, you know, that you can go to the hospital and still um, not have them do anything to you that you don't want them to. I mean, I remember even the, the second nurse that came, so I ended up having him like right at shift change, which was just so... <laughs> Perfect. Like cherry on freaking top. And um, so the, the new nurse that came in, I was kind of afraid because my night nurse had been so wonderful. And the new nurse was also so wonderful. But after my son was born, she started, you know, massaging, I'm doing air quotes, massaging my uterus. And I, you know, I've seen this happen before but holy crap, like, <laughs> it, I, it was so painful, and I stopped her, like, I actually grabbed her hand, and I was like, you don't have to do that, and I kind of guided her, and I was like, you know, feel like this, and it feels kind of like a grapefruit, and you yeah. know, if it's firm, and like, check if I'm bleeding, like, all you have to do is make sure that it's firm, like, you don't have to press with all your might every time, oh, and man. She, she learned something, like, right. you know, she didn't know that she didn't, she just thought you had to, you know, do it with gusto every 15 minutes or whatever, for no reason.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: You know, we can have, even that is a drop in the pond. I mean, little, you know, if you have to go to the hospital, don't be a jerk and, you know, teach somebody something, let them see what birth can be and what autonomy is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I've enjoyed seeing that on, you know, the same, same stories we all have, maybe not about our own births, but just with clients that being powerful and being respectful and all those things go a long way. And yeah, seeing just like that flash of recognition sometimes on a nurse's face or a doctor's face uh, is really cool. And again, all the credit goes to women like you that, you know, wind up there, maybe they don't want to be there but they're still super powerful and strong. And yeah, these, these, um, hospital people get a glimpse of what it looks like to see a woman really making her own choices. And you can't deny, you know, the beauty of that, of,
1: of when women are able to birth in their power, you know, you, you can't. And so when you, when they see that, you know, it has an impact, even if it's, you know, not until later down the road or whatever, or even their own experience, you know, they're when they choose what they're going to do for birth. They might think, remember
0: me or whatever. Yeah. Right. Remember that lady. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Well, I have another topic I wanted to bring up with you and Oh, just to be honest, like on one hand, I feel like, oh, is this too negative or something? But no, I'm going to bring it up anyway, because I think it's a real part of midwifery that I want to talk about with you. Um, which is just how midwives can treat each other, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, we could all act like it's always beautiful and nice. And and I don't know what your community is like. But having kind of like um, a bead on the community is all over. Yeah. through our school and whatnot like I think we all know too that midwives aren't always nice to each other women can be really mean and how are we supposed to make more midwives and you know make this profession go forward in the way it needs to when we can't all get along like it's a big thing
1: yeah uh-huh um and I'm with you like my um since I've had Believe in Midwifery I also get you know emails from midwives and students all over the country and it is absolutely not um, unique. Um, it's yeah. pretty much countrywide that yeah. there is a lot, you know, there's a, if anything, there are unique pockets of um, communities that are, you know, close and supportive and um, and nice to each other. Sure.
0: <laughs> but they um, seem like far and few between to me. Absolutely. Yeah, and no, even it's, the it's, it's definitely unique. Yeah, and even the communities that I mean, you know, we're like, if there are trying to be working relationships or whatever, I guess, you know, there's still often this element of like, gossip, for one thing, which I really Uh would like to talk about, because I think Uh it's absolutely poisonous. And, you know, I want to talk about it in like, hopefully, a, a positive way that maybe we can start to shift some of those things together. And then, of course, you know, I don't know if we'll get this far or into it that deep. But like, we just have the divide, you know, between people that are licensed and people that aren't and even CNMs and like, it's all just a big fucking mess. Yes. <laughs> I mean, really for women that are supposed to be serving women, I, yeah. I really am like trying to constantly wrap my mind when around I how I yeah. was a
1: student midwife. Um, I literally felt like a child who realized that Santa Claus didn't exist. <laughs> I, I mean, I was so devastated when I got into the midwifery community um, in my area and then also wherever I did my apprenticeship. And I, I mean, literally, I, I, I felt, I believe you so sad that this, these are midwives. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I, I think um, there is, Uh, you know, it goes back to me to the, to the system. Um, the, the system is set up to, to work for a particular type of woman in most cases, like someone who is willing to give up everything, um, to do this. I, I think there's, a lot of ego, I think there is a lot of unhealthy boundaries. I think there is a lot of um codependency needing to be needed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I'm afraid that people who are like that um, are hard to get along with, yeah. And, and so that's the problem is that the, the, the way that home birth midwifery is set up now, the, the challenge that it takes for people to become midwives, the, um, and, and also, and and I, and I think that becoming a midwife actually, um, makes this worse. Like, I, I don't think that everyone starts out this way, but I think the process of becoming a midwife and doing what we need to do. And then even, you know, being in the world and not being able to integrate into the system, I think it um, compounds on each other. So I think it continues to get worse as it goes on. Cause even my own self, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn because I, you know, I truly believe that I, I was born this way, but I have always had healthy boundaries. I have always had a, um, you know, a healthy sense of self and where I end and others begin and, Mm -hmm. um, that I, I can't be responsible for everyone else's birth and and things like that. But even when I was going through my apprenticeship, I was constantly thinking to myself, like, so wait a minute, am I the crazy one? Like, (laughs) is, is this, you know, that I don't want to, to do this, or I don't feel like this is okay. Like everyone else is acting like this is normal and okay, but like, I know it's not. And, um, and again, kind of just my, the way I was raised and the, that I was able to see that there could possibly be a different way out there. Um, you know, because you don't see it. I mean, you know, all you see when you're an apprentice midwife is solo practice, home birth midwives all over the place, burning out left and right, sick, divorced, um, hating everyone. (laughs) And In their community and it's like you know I don't I didn't want to be a part of that and I think there's a ton of women who start appra- I mean we all know there's tons of women who start apprenticeships and quit um, right and I think a lot of those women if we could actually get them to become midwives you know could could start um what's the word like diluting the the pot of the kind of nastiness that exists yeah Um, so you know you I uh I don't want to get too negative either and I feel like since starting this I have always wanted the focus to be on the positive and that you know my whole goal is that we need more midwives because I want to make more or help more women and that's what the ultimate goal is, but, um, but I do think at a certain extent that we do have to, or at a certain point, we do have to start talking about, um, the divides and the egos and, um, the codependency and the unhealthy boundaries. And I think those are things that, you know, if we are going to grow, those things need to be discussed and dealt with. I mean,
0: it's just like anything else, you know, it's a family secret. Right. Right, right. I know. I agree with you. I think they have to be t- talked about and like opened up. Yeah, earlier in the process. I mean, especially mm-hmm. apprenticeship. You know, apprenticeship. Yeah. I always say it was pretty much the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, same. I don't think having babies was as hard as getting <laughs> through an apprenticeship with yeah with egos and pain and um. Yeah. You know, I, I don't talk to the person I apprentice with. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, there's, there's bad kind of yeah. stuff that, you know, stayed around. Yeah. And, and you're not alone. Right. I mean, and, you know,
1: and people go to therapy. So, I mean, people finish, their, <laughs> people finish their apprenticeships and they are very often, you know, the most broken they've ever been. And those are the women that are going on to you know take care of the women in our country. Right. And it's right, fast. Yeah. and they can because that's what we do. You know, we shut down everything that we have going on and we go take care of the women because we believe it's so important. But that is not healthy for us.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a really astute point and I think very blunt and helpful. I, and I think that's actually really positive, you know, like we need to kind of start at the beginning and, and start to deal with, like you said, some of these like family secrets, these like things in the closet, like how can we make apprenticeship more sustainable, more feminine? I mean, I'm working through that, you know, all the time too. Like I don't have it down. I wasn't modeled yeah. in an apprenticeship that felt healthy and right. Um, being on the other side you know like there's even just lots of insecurities of like how do we do this better you know and how do we recognize our own our own trauma Um, I was just talking this morning with my friend Emily who many of you out there know she um, was the subject of the awesome film Um, these are my hours okay and so I hope she doesn't mind me saying but we were you know just talking about birth birth worker, midwife trauma in general, you know, like how first we have to recognize that like, that's a thing, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and, and making that something that we can talk about and open up about. And essentially it's like doing our own work, you know, it's like, no one's going to do that for us. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we were each doing that, like our, our profession as a whole would just start to get so much healthier and then becoming a midwife, you know, seems to me like it would be more attractive to kind of like the right people. Right. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know,
1: truly, you know, the being on call thing is, has a lot to do with that too, because it is, that just continues to promote your ego. If you think that you are the only one who is capable of giving this woman the type of care that, you know, that you can give her. And so, I mean, that makes people in their communities just feel like, you know, I know, you know, you're probably a good midwife for your clients, but you know, I'm the best midwife for my clients. And, and it just is, um, yeah, that contributes to it. And then being on call, you know, that the trauma, um, be, I like to say that being on call is like having a little simmering pot of cortisol, like Mm -hmm. on the back burner at all times. And when you have and our bodies are not designed to have cortisol coursing through our systems constantly even just a little bit and we can't deal we don't have time you know that we're not a little bit stressed to deal with that trauma that we're dealing with and the and that's becoming more popular too i mean i think the trauma i think people are starting to talk about that i was just at the mana conference and there was a couple of talks about Um, secondary trauma and that you know i mean it's a significant amount of midwives that have clinical symptomology of post-traumatic stress disorder right and um but constantly carrying the the burden and responsibility of being responsible for for these families once in a lifetime all important life experience makes you not able to deal with that and then in addition to that um you know it's the constant stress regular sleep deprivation secondary trauma and strain on our own relationships so you know a lot of times people think that the on-call lifestyle is just inconvenient and that's not you know but truly it it negatively impacts our health in in some serious ways um and and so you know. Being able to I think the solo practice thing um, contributes to what you 're talking about, which is you know the being divided mm-hmm. and you know thinking that and if you want to talk about autonomy too, I mean sure we all practice differently, but isn't isn 't this what it's about is the woman 's choices, and so right. it, you know, you should be able to have three midwives who one of them says, you know my recommendation is that you take." antibiotics for GBS. And another midwife says, you know, I wouldn't even test for GBS. And another midwife says, you know, why don't you take probiotics and do a cleanse wash? And the mom should be able to say, that's interesting. That's an interesting point. That's an interesting
0: point. I decide blank. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's really helpful to hear. And I think that's a awesome and healthy perspective that I think we all need to consider. I mean, I know, I know I could use that, you know, just even considering it, I guess the problem is, you know, in some areas for sure, like there just really isn't the option. Yeah. Through practice. Yeah. Um, so not, to, not to be making excuses. Cause I think there are more creative ways often than we're willing to look at. Right. Um, myself included but like for so long i mean for the last you know 10 years i would honestly say that that was that's not an not option in this yeah. area so yeah i mean it's it's, <laughs> it's it's a really hard thing to shoulder for all the reasons you've said and really you know i get it. it it is not a healthy way to be so i think we need yeah just what you're doing like more awareness around it and more problem solving of whatever creative ways we each need to make this work better for us. Cause going at it alone um, is not ideal. And I can see why people wouldn't even want to get into this if they kind of think it's going to look like that, you know, Exactly. It, which is the honest truth.
1: Right. And so, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's about having conversations and it's about, I always say, it's just about remembering the ultimate goal. Like um, that, what we want is, more midwives and a healthy midwifery community for, for women. And, um, and there, you know, there isn't a need to reinvent the wheel. And so I think sometimes too, you know, people get something and it's going well and they want, you know, to keep it to themselves because it's going so well and they don't want to share this thing that's working for them, you know? And so it's also that too, it's like about really just, um, yeah, remembering the ultimate goal and, like, why we got into this work in the first place and, like, what we're, I mean, because honestly, we are, um, you know, revolutionary. I mean, what we're doing is incredibly important because, you know, we are actually losing birth. And so, you know, it really is time to just put your ego down and start working together and, you know, helping each other as much as possible um, so that we can continue doing the important work that
0: all of us are doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a wonderful message. So I'm so glad you were here today to share that. I feel better. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Good. Good. I love to hear that.
0: Yeah. Would you share please where people can reach you and if you want to uh, direct them to your course or whatever is feeling good so people can, can contact you? Yeah, sure. So, um, my,
1: I'm most active on my Instagram page, which is at believe in midwifery. Um, I honestly haven't been quite as active the past couple weeks cause I've got a lot going on. Um, but that's, where you can find me, but then also I have a website which is www.believeinmidwifery.com, and there's some blog posts on there. I have some t shirts and some pretty cool stickers that say support your local midwives. Awesome. Um, and then, yes, I just recently released an e course which is called Believe in Midwifery's Guide to Sustainable Practice, and um, where I just get into a lot of this stuff um, a lot deeper. and. I love to be a connector. So, I mean, I get emails from people who say, you know, I'm moving to such and such, do you know, any midwives there who might want to join up? And um, so Hmm. I, I love getting emails from people and I I really do want to help. So my email address is midwife Madeline at gmail.com and you could, you could reach me there too. People send me messages on Instagram all the time. Those are harder to get back to. So if you really want a response, um, I would email me.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I agree. And I just love the work you're doing. I am so honored and humbled that we got to connect. And I feel like we have some future projects together if, you know, if the timing works out, but um, just love like your energy and what you're bringing to this. And thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be
1: here. I've been wanting to connect with you for a long time. And so, yeah, if we get something going in the
0: future, that'd be awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Be sure to check out IndieBirthMidwiferySchool.org while we're on the topic of creating midwives. We have an early application period that goes from now till December 10th, 2019 for enrollment of our next class, which begins July 2020. Thanks for listening.